0: Good morning, happy to see each one of you here today. You ready to trust in the Lord, regardless of whatever happens, right? It's a beautiful song and a beautiful encouragement to us that whatever comes our way, we can trust in the Lord. Let's just say a word of prayer before we go to God's Word. Father, thank you for the opportunity once again to come and study your Word, and we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our understanding and help us to see, Lord God, your Word. Lord, the way that you intended it for us, O God, and help us, Lord, not just to be people that hear your word, but help us, Lord, to be people that act on your word and do what you ask us to do. We just commit this time into your hands and pray for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're working through this series on the Sermon on the Mount. And for the past few weeks, we've been reflecting on God's heart for his kingdom and what God calls us into in this Sermon on the Mount. He calls us into a radical cross, uh, a radical countercultural life, right? He's calling us into a way that maybe might not be accepted or a way that might not be affirmed in the world today. The Sermon on the Mount, it's sort of like the constitution of the kingdom of God. And as we seek the kingdom of God, we allow more of God's power and his life to come into us. Now, the passage that we're going to look at this morning is Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 12, which Colin read for us. And I'd like to focus on three things, and they're in your notes there. One is called God's kingdom ethic. The other is God's kingdom values. And the third thing is God's provision for us. Okay, And it can all be summarized. I'm just going to give you a summary statement here of what I'd like to sort of talk about. It can be summarized in this statement. We are privileged in prayer. To ask, seek, and knock, because the Lord delights to give us good things that further his kingdom values and the fulfillment of his kingdom ethic, which is to do to others what we would desire to be done to us. Okay. So this is sort of just a summary statement, I think, of the three different things that we'd like to look at this morning. Okay. It's about God's kingdom ethic. It's about God's kingdom values and it's about God's provision, okay, for us. From verses seven to verse twelve. Now I'm going to start at the bottom and then work our way up. So I'm going to start at verse twelve and then go to verse seven to uh, sorry nine to eleven and then after that verse seven to eight, just so that we can understand a little bit of uh, what I believe Jesus is trying to say here in this passage and what He's trying to convey to us not only in this passage, but also in the Sermon on the Mount, not only in the Sermon on the Mount, but also all throughout the New Testament, not only in the New Testament, but I really believe all throughout the word of God from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay. So the first thing is God's kingdom ethic. And this kingdom ethic is do to others, what you would desire to be done to you, right? How many like it when other people do bad things to us? Anyone here? Probably not. How many here you like it when people do good things to you? Right? Yes. And so here, this kingdom ethic is to do to others as you would desire to be done to you. So if we enjoy or like when people do good things to us, then our response also should be to do good things to other people. Right? Matthew 7 verse 12. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Now, here's this key here. This is the essence of all that is taught In the law and the prophets It's quite a statement here that Jesus makes In the Sermon on the Mount You come to this verse 12 And he says Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you And he says This is the essence This Out of everything that has been talked about In all of the law and all the prophets I'm summarizing it down to this and saying This is the essence Everything that I've been teaching Everything that I've been talking about Everything that I've been doing Signs, wonders, miracles All these different things It all comes down to This aspect to do to others, whatever you would like them to do to you, right? This is otherwise known as in the world today. It's commonly known as what? The golden rule, right? It's known as the golden rule. It's the essence of the law and the prophets. We can also say this is a kingdom ethic. That is the summation of the sermon on the Mount. And it's something that we should strive for in our lives as citizens of that kingdom. Uh, in another place in Matthew, Jesus talks about the law and the prophets, and he condenses the commandments down to two. The first one is to love God, and the second is to love others, right? And I think if you can love others, then what would we do? We would do good to them, just as we would expect good to be done to us. And so Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40 says Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Here again, Jesus is trying to give a, a summation, a summary, like condense it all. This, this is the Coles notes version. If you don't have time to read all through all those law and the prophets here, this is the Coles notes version. If you can do this, this is the essence of the law. Paul took it further. He took it down to one commandment in Galatians chapter five and verse 14. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you read this and you think, okay, the first one was love God and the second one was love your neighbor, then Paul says, okay, drop the love God part and just love your neighbor. Doesn't make sense, right? This would be like, drop the second part. And the first one is the most important. Love God. That's the most important. But John gives us a little bit of a clarification because in first John chapter four, he says here, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see if I can't love people that I can see with my own eyes, it says, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. So when Paul in Galatians takes it down to, this is the whole essence of the law and the prophets, to love others, to love your neighbor as yourself. In essence, he's also saying, you have to be able to do this if you want to even get to this ultimate first commandment of loving God. And so that's why I think when Jesus says here in Matthew chapter seven and verse 12, when he says, do to others as you would have them do to you, in essence, to love others, to help others, to bless others, to do whatever you, the good you would want to be done to you, you do that same thing to others. He's saying this is the essence of the law and the prophets. I think, actually, this portion here is the essence of the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? It's the essence of what Jesus is trying to say in this whole Sermon on the Mount. It's the essence of what Jesus is trying to say and the apostles are trying to say in the whole New Testament, it's the essence and the, the summation of what is being written in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It comes down to this. Now, it's a, it, the practical outworking of loving others is what we need to see. It's a lofty ethic. It's very difficult to accomplish without the help of the Lord. We naturally are very selfish people who think about ourselves first and many times just about ourselves. That's why this kingdom ethic is very challenging. It's the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And Jesus makes it his central theme of his message. Everything else in the Sermon on the Mount, everything else in the Old Testament, everything else in the New Testament, everything else that Jesus taught all revolve around and are centered on this one point to do to others as you would have them do to you, to love your neighbor as yourself. If we are to bring the kingdom of God to this world, if we are to live as Christ lived in this world, if we are to be the light of the world, to display love to others, if we are to live radically for Christ, if we are to live counterculturally so that we can exalt Jesus in this world, then we must do to others what we would have them do to us. It's a kingdom ethic that's displayed in the kingdom values that we live out. So the second thing here, now going to verses 9 to 11 is God's kingdom values. And I believe these are the good things through the Holy Spirit. From verse 9 to 11, here he talks about and says, if a son shall ask bread of his father, will his father give him a serpent? And he says, no. Why? Right? Because he says, if you being evil know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give good gifts to us right Matthew 11 and verse 7 that's what it says if so if you uh, sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask right remember we're looking at this passage in the co- looking at this verse in the context of this passage but also in the context of the whole sermon on the mount to see and understand what is God really trying to communicate to us what is he trying to say in this whole in this whole message So the question is, what are those good gifts? What are those good things that he says here that he wants to give to us? There's a similar verse in Luke 11, and I've just put it side by side here. You can see it's basically the exact same, except when it comes down to the end where it says, how much more will your heavenly father give? In Matthew, it says good gifts. In Luke, it says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And and I believe here what he's trying to say is that These good gifts that he's trying to give to us are things that we've been looking at for these past few weeks. As we studied Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, and now we're in Matthew chapter 7, as we've seen various things, I believe the good things that God wants to give to us through the power of the Holy Spirit are things that are values in God's kingdom. Things like love, things like mercy, forgiveness, an eternal vision. These are things that God provides for us through the power of the Holy Spirit and enriches our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit to display these kingdom values to others. So I'm going to take us all the way back to chapter five at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to go through a few things very quickly to see what are some of these values of God's kingdom. OK, the first one all the way back in chapter five and verse five, it talks about seeking humility. Humility. These are values in God's kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount describes what is valuable to God and his kingdom. What are things that we should strive for? What are things that we should seek after? What are things that we should be asking, seeking, and knocking for? What are things that we should be asking, seeking, and knocking for? The values in God's kingdom that helps us to live out this great kingdom ethic. So I'm going to tie this all in together. But let's look at some of these things. Seek humility. Another thing that he says, right? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is a value in God's kingdom. He wants us to be able to do this. To be merciful to others, right? To keep a pure heart. It's hard. It's difficult, right? But it's a value in God's kingdom for us to keep a pure heart. To work for peace, okay? To bless those who mock, persecute, persecute, Lie about you, okay? Now, I'm going to go quickly, so if you can't write all these things down, they're in the life group questions as well, too. So you can be like, "Ah, all right. Grab them from there after the service, okay? Bless those who mock you, persecute you, and lie about you, right? These are kingdom values. It's tough, right? But this is what distinguishes the kingdom of God from every other kingdom. It's what distinguishes the citizens of that kingdom, which God is calling us to be, from anyone else. Is that we respond in a different way. These are kingdom values that help us to live out that great kingdom ethic. To do unto others as we would have done to us. Right? To be happy when people treat you badly. To be the light of the world reflecting Christian character. To be filled with good deeds. To grow in righteousness. Okay, this next one's hard. To do not to not get angry with other people. To reconcile with those who have offended or hurt us. To not lust after people or things. To let our yes be yes and our no be no. Okay, now I'm going to get to some of the hard, hard ones. How about this one? To turn the other cheek when someone slaps you on one cheek. What's our natural reaction? If someone slaps us on one cheek, hmm, they're going to get something back. That's the natural reaction that we would have But a citizen of God's kingdom A person that exalts the values of God's kingdom The person that seeks to display the values of God's kingdom In order so that they can live by this great kingdom ethic To do unto others as we would have them do to us Then when they're slapped on one cheek, what will they do? They'll turn the other cheek, right? If someone wants your shirt, what should you do? Give him your code as well. If someone wants you to go one mile, you should go. Two, these are all things that we looked at before. These are all aspects of the Sermon on the Mount. Things that Jesus is trying to talk about and say, hey, these are values in my kingdom. This is what makes my kingdom special. This is what makes my kingdom unique. And this is what makes the citizens of my kingdom special and unique as well. Because they live by these values. And it's not easy. It's difficult. It's hard. And that's why it says, ask, seek, and knock. And the Father as he, he wants to give good gifts to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask for these things. We seek for these. So if it's difficult, if you, if you're like me today and you say, Lord, I can't turn the other cheek when someone slaps me on one cheek. Then what do I do? I ask and I say, Lord, give me grace. I seek and I seek some more. And I knock and I say, Lord, you need to help me in this area. Until the father who loves to give good things to his children will give you grace so that when you face that situation and someone slaps you on the one cheek, you'll be surprised at yourself as well when you turn the other cheek because you've asked and asked and asked and you sought and sought and sought and and you've knocked and knocked and knocked and the Heavenly Father who loves to give good things to His children graciously gives us the Holy Spirit who transforms us and changes us and and makes us more like Jesus, right? Give to those who ask you for something. Oh, this is a tough one. You ready? Don't close your eyes. Don't miss this. Love your... Ooh, that's tough. But this is what sets the kingdom of God apart from everything else. This is what sets the citizens of the kingdom apart from everyone else. This is why we continue to ask and seek and knock and cry out to God and say, God, help me to love my enemies because it's not natural to me. It's not something that I naturally do. I need the help of your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I ask and I ask you to give me good things. And one of those good things is your Holy Spirit to come and transform me and change me so that I can love my enemies. And when I struggle to do that, I'm going to ask again. And when I struggle to do that, I'm going to seek some more. And when I struggle to do that, I'm going to knock some more and say, Lord, please, come please come please help me because i need you in my life i want to be part of that kingdom pray for those who persecute you oh this is this one's a tough one be perfect like your heavenly father we were looking at some of these things these past few weeks we're we're looking at all of these things these are kingdom values right do good deeds in private pray in private Pray for God's kingdom to come. Pray for God's will to be done. To forgive others. To fast. Fast and pray in private. Well, we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Store up treasure in heaven. Right? That's difficult to do as well, because many times we might just have an earthly vision. Have a vision of eternity. Serve God alone. Trust God for your needs. Seek God's kingdom first. Don't worry about tomorrow. Then last week we were looking at a few things we saw. Don't judge others unjustly. Deal with your own faults before being critical of others. Right? Take the plank out of our own eye before we see the speck in somebody else's eye. All of these things help us to come back to this great kingdom ethic of do to others as you would have them do to you. These things here are, they're all lofty and they're difficult. And they require the help of the Holy Spirit for the Lord to radically transform our lives. They're descriptions of what God's kingdom is like, how his citizens in the kingdom act. The blessing is that these good things is what God gives to us so that we can reflect his kingdom. If we ask him, he will give us a pure heart. If we seek him, he will help us to be humble. If we knock, he'll give us grace to forgive. If we ask him, he will give us a vision for eternity. If we seek him, we will be able to love our enemies. If we knock, he'll give us grace to be able to bless others when they hurt us. If we ask, he will give us confidence for tomorrow. If we seek, he will help us not to judge others unjustly. Ask and seek and knock. The problem is, is that we focus our prayers so many times on things of this world. Instead of praying your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. Think of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Now, Jesus, before he went to Calvary, before he went to die for our sins, before he offered the greatest sacrifice on Calvary and before he hung and died there, he went to pray And when he went to pray, what was his request? He said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Lord, if if there's any way that I don't have to do this, don't let me do it. But not my will, your will be done. And he went and he asked. And then what did he do? He asked again. And then what did he do? He asked a third time until he received that grace, until he received that strength to be able to do the will of God. So the third thing is God's provision. See, God doesn't just leave us alone. God doesn't just say, hey, this is a lofty kingdom ethic. And God doesn't say, hey, these are my kingdom values that I want you to live by. Good luck. You do it. No, he gives us a provision. What is that provision? The provision is to Ask. The provision is to seek and the provision is to knock. He says, ask and it'll be given to you and keep asking. Seek and you shall find and and keep seeking. Knock and it will be open to you and and keep knocking. Right. That's what these verses here in verse seven and eight says. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking. And the door will be open to you. Now sometimes these verses are taken out of context. And it's just said, ask and you'll receive. You want a million dollars? Go for it. Ask a million dollars, you'll get it. You want a Lamborghini? Just keep seeking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. You know, even when the dealership's closed, you just keep knocking, you'll get, you'll get there eventually. No. This is not a blank check that we can just write and say, God, give me this. God, give me that. No, in the context of these verses, he is talking. Remember, he says in verse 12, this is the essence of the whole law and the prophets. This is the essence of everything that I've been teaching. Everything in the New Testament, everything in the Old Testament is summarized in this. And so the asking and the seeking and the knocking is seeking for God's kingdom, seeking for his kingdom values, seeking for that great kingdom ethic to be lived out in us. It's not just a blank check to say, ask whatever you want, and I'll give that to you. It's interesting. This is an interesting part of prayer because the Lord says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And I think it's more about building a relationship with Jesus than about anything else. I think he wants us to keep asking and to keep seeking and to keep knocking so that we can keep building our intimacy with the Lord. So that we can keep building our relationship with Jesus. Right? First John chapter 5 verse verse 14 and 15 says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us ask anything according to his will ask anything that's according to his kingdom principles ask anything that's according to his kingdom values then he hears us and whatever we ask we know that we, we will receive it the key is that we ask according to his will so now I come to the hard question here Why doesn't God hear us and answer us when maybe it's not a luxury item like a million dollars or a Lamborghini? What happens when it's something very personal? Like the healing of of a spouse. Like the healing of a family member. Like the provision of a job so that you you can provide for your family. These are all legitimate prayer requests. And the Lord asks us to bring them to him in prayer. But ultimately... He's the one that decides whether he wants to grant those things. Ultimately, it's up to his plan and purpose. And and it's hard. It's part of resting in God. It's part of resting in God's sovereignty. It's part of resting in God's plan. But it's not really what these verses here, ask, seek, and knock, are talking about. There are other places in the Word of God that talks about us petitioning the Lord and bringing our petitions to the Lord, yes, That's true. That's legitimate. We need to do that. But I think these verses here, when it talks about ask, seek, and knock should not be taken out of context, but understand the context of which it is in when it's talking about the kingdom of God, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, talking about Jesus, delineating. These are my kingdom values. This is what my kingdom is about. This is what the citizens of my kingdom act. This is how they act. This is how they live. Ask for that. Seek for that. Many times we don't have the same perspective maybe as, as what the Lord sees. And that's why sometimes when petitions and prayers for temporal things here, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whatever it might be for a house, temporal things that are just for this life, sometimes we don't see the answers to the things that w- the way that we want it because maybe we don't have it, we don't see it the same way God sees it. I'll give you an example. See this guy here? He's hanging on for dear life, right? Hanging on with his hand hanging on to that bike and he's, he's having a tough time there but if we expand the picture a little bit and I'll show you a little he's actually just on the floor there you see that's a tunnel that he's in do you see that yeah right he's, he's just on the floor he's just pretending that he's holding on for dear life see sometimes we see our situation like this God I'm dying here help me God I need your help please but God sees the larger picture, right? And he works according to his will and his plan. He works according to his purpose, right? He knows how much he wants us to go through, right? These verses, in, these verses in Matthew chapter seven, they're about asking, seeking, knocking, not really part of general petitions or requests that we have, but it's the context of the Sermon on the Mount, where the Lord determines his values in his kingdom. I'll give you an example. Say, if someone does something to hurt you, okay, then the golden rule or the kingdom ethic is what? Do to others as you would have them do to you. So it says, if someone hurts you, what should be our response? Forgive them, love them. Because if we hurt somebody else, we would wish that they would show love to us because we made a mistake. Okay. That's the kingdom ethic, right? The kingdom value is what we looked at before. Love your enemies. Bless those who hurt you, right? Do good to those that persecute you. That's the kingdom value. So you have the kingdom ethic here. You have the kingdom value, right? And then you say, God, it's too hard. God, I can't do that. Do you know how much they hurt me? Do you know what they did to my family? I can't do that. And then what does God say? I've made a provision for you. I've made a way for you. Just ask, just seek, just knock, and I'll help you. I'll give you good things. I will give you grace. I will give you love. I will give you help. I, as a heavenly father, want to give good gifts to my children. I, as a heavenly father, give the Holy Spirit to help you, to transform you, to change you, to give you grace so that you can forgive, so that you can love so that you can live out this great and grand and glorious kingdom ethic to do to others as you would have them do to you. There's a story of a man named Al Bors. He uh, lived in the Middle East. This uh, story comes from a, uh, a TV station, actually out in the Middle East, a Christian TV station called Sat 7. And he says, he says, when the Taliban found out my brother was a Christian, they hung him upside down, broke his hands and fingers, and burnt his face with cigarettes. They put that child of God through the most dreadful torment and killed him. Alborz was devastated and felt unable to forgive his brother's killers. He found himself in a constant state of distress and anger and with a strong desire for revenge. He said, feelings of hate became my constant companion. The anguish and bitterness that filled my being took its toll. And soon I found myself with no friends. Even at home, I did not speak with kindness to those around me. But one day his father told him, you must forgive those who killed my son. See, fathers in that that setting would normally encourage another sibling to take revenge. But Alborz's father had been a believer in Jesus for more than 30 years. So for three years, Alborz struggled. He had further conversations with his father. And during that time, he would read the New Testament. And this is what he said because it deeply affected him. He said, the words of Jesus about anger, revenge, and forgiveness had a huge impact on me. Reading the Sermon on the Mount truly shook me. My tears flowed, my heart softened, and I finally forgave the Taliban. That moment, the burden I had been carrying was lifted from me. For the last eight years, I have been a genuine believer and I am now able to forgive. I have great joy in my heart that God has placed there. Can you see what happened to him? He struggled. He couldn't do it. In his heart was revenge and anger and bitterness. But he sought. He asked. He sought. He knocked. The word of God made a great impression on his heart until he came to the place that he could forgive. And I don't know what situation you might find yourself today. And maybe you're going through a hard time today. You're going through a trial today and you're not able to forgive. You're not able to love. You're not able to display this kingdom ethic. You're not able to display the kingdom values. I want to tell you today that Jesus is here with open arms as a loving heavenly father. And he says, come. He's made the provision for us. He says, ask and you'll receive. He says, seek and you'll find. He says, knock and the door will be open. And so he stands there and he says, come. Come and ask me. Come and seek me. Come and knock and I'll open the door. He's waiting for us. We're probably asking, seeking, knocking the door at the door every day, maybe for some other petitions, right? What happens when maybe we go through a personal trial And maybe it's something, uh, and I'm not, please forgive me, I'm not trying to downplay this at all, or I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I just want us to understand the importance of what Jesus is saying here. There are times maybe when we go through a a sickness, when we go through a financial difficulty, and, and we need some type of provision. And these are temporal, earthly things that God does tell us we can bring that to Him. And we can ask Him to do that. But here's my question. Many times for those things we pray with such intensity, We pray with such fervor. We pray daily and say, Lord, do this. Lord, do this. Lord, do this. Lord, do this. And we pray with such intensity and such fervor and such passion. My question is, can we pray with such intensity with such fervor and with such passion to say, Lord, help me to forgive? Can we pray with such intensity, such fervor and some passion to say, Lord, help me to love my enemies? Can we pray with such intensity and such fervor and such passion to be able to say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let me display those kingdom values of what we already talked about. Can we pray with such intensity and fervor and say, Lord, make me humble. Lord, make me merciful. Many times we pray with such intensity when it's something right now that we need. But if we have an eternal vision... If we see God's kingdom and God's kingdom values, I think that's what Jesus is trying to say here. Ask, seek, knock with intensity, with fervor, with passion, in the same way that we would pray for something that we desperately need physically today or tomorrow or next week, with the same amount of fervor and passion that we would pray for those things. Can we not pray with that type of fervor and passion for God's kingdom to become on this earth, for our character to be transformed and changed, for us to be the light of Christ and to reflect his glory, in this world so that many more will come to know christ can we not pray with such fervor and intensity and passion for people to know jesus as their savior i think that's what this is all about i think that's what being a citizen in god's kingdom is all about the lord is trying to give us a vision for his kingdom a vision for his values A vision for this most excellent and lofty ethic that he knows is difficult, that he knows it's supernatural, that he knows it's humanly impossible. And so he says, ask of me, seek me, knock on the door and I will help you. I will give you good gifts to help you. I will give you the Holy Spirit to help you. I know this is hard. I know this is difficult. I know it's humanly impossible. I know it's supernatural. I know it's far above anything in this world, but come to me. Ask me, seek me, and you'll find. Last week, we spoke about judging others and how we shouldn't be critical when we judge uh, others uh, in terms of taking the plank out of our eye before we see that speck in somebody else's eye. See, the golden rule or the kingdom ethic teaches us to do to others as we would have done to us. So instead of being critical of others, we should believe the best in others. We should seek to see the good in others because that's what we want others to do to us, right? We don't want other people to come to a conclusion about us. We want them to give us the benefit of the the doubt, to believe the best in us, not to just judge us for for something that they might not know. The Lord desires to give, then it comes back to this kingdom value. Do not judge others unjustly. To deal with our own faults first before we deal with others. That's a, a kingdom value. So the Lord desires to give good things to us. What are those good things? Maybe it's empathy for others. It's mercy for others. It's kindness for others. But we still find it hard and we still fail. And then he says, don't worry. I have a provision for you. Knock and I'll open the door. Seek and keep seeking me. Ask and keep asking me. There are times maybe when our prayers might go unanswered and we wonder, Lord, where are you? I'll tell you the story of a man named William Borden. He was the heir to the Borden family milk farm. Gave away all of his his riches to be a missionary. After he graduated high school, his parents because they were wealthy were able to give him a ticket around the world, and he went around the world and he saw the great need for missionaries to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to other places. And he particularly found that there were 15 million Muslims in China, and he realized that not one of them had an opportunity to hear about the gospel. And so he made a commitment and dedication, I'm going to go there. I'm going to share the love of Jesus with them. By the end, he, he first went to Yale to study, to prepare himself before he could go. But he didn't wait till he got to China to start sharing the love of God. He did it. As he was preparing, when he got to Yale, he started a Bible. He started a prayer meeting with a Bible study, and after the first year, 150 people were attending. By his fourth year, uh, there were a thousand people out of the 1,300 students that were there that were attending. He made a great difference, and then he ended up going to the Middle East, aiming to go to China, but you know he never got to China. He died when he was 25 after con- contracting meningitis. And so some people think, what a waste, right? After, after his death, his Bible was found and given to his mother, and in that she found two words that were written. First, it said, no reserves, and a date placing the note there shortly after he had renounced his fortune in order to do mission work. Shortly after that, he had written a, another two words, no retreats, And it was dated shortly after his father told him that he would never let him work in the company again. And then finally, just before he died in Egypt, he wrote these next two words, no regrets. See, Borden didn't even get to China. He didn't get to see the fulfillment of his vision. He didn't see what he wanted to see. But I think God established in him kingdom values. I think God fulfilled his work in William Borden. Do you remember one of the values that we looked at some weeks ago? Lay up treasure in heaven. And so Borden had the choice. All this wealth that he could have here on this earth because he was the heir to their whole farm and industry. or give it all up and take the gospel so that people can have something that's worth much more. He maybe didn't get to do that physically, but his testimony till this day inspires thousands of people to hold up kingdom values as something that is amazing and wonderful and what God is trying to work in our lives. He wanted those kingdom, that kingdom ethic. He wanted those kingdom values and it was fulfilled in his life. And dear people of God, I don't know where we, you might be today, but I just want to encourage you that God wants his values to be fulfilled in us. Right? Right? And God wants his kingdom ethic to be lived out in us. And that's why we keep asking. That's why we keep seeking. That's why we keep knocking. Maybe you're here today and and, and this is all new to you. Maybe you're like, I don't understand all of these things. And who is this Jesus? I've never even had a chance to ask him or talk to him or pray or seek or knock. I want to tell you that there's going to be some people here after the service. And we would love to talk to you about that. We would love to, to help you to enter into that conversation with Jesus because he is a good father that wants to give good gifts to his children. That's what he desires. He desires to give good gifts to his children so that he can transform our character and change us and make us into that person that will look to the needs of others before our own needs, that will love others, to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God above everything else. See, Jesus went to the cross and he died for you and for me so that we can experience the kingdom of God. He died for you and for me so that we can experience that kingdom life. He died for you and for me so that we can experience that great kingdom ethic. And he died for you and for me so that his kingdom can come on this world and his values could be spread by us. By living out what he's calling us to live here in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's hard, it's impossible. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And that's why he says ask and seek and knock. And so as we wait, we'll we'll ask the musicians and singers to come. As we wait on the Lord, let's realize that he is a good father. And maybe some of our petitions might not be answered right now. I want to encourage you, as the word of God says, ask and keep on asking. (laughs) Seek and Keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking. Wherever you might be today, and you're saying, "Lord, I've been—I mean, I, I had this bitterness in my heart. I'm not able to deal with it." God's made a provision. Ask and you'll receive. And maybe you might say, "Lord, I'm—I'm I, I'm very uh, angry with people. I—I I, I can't show them compassion. I can't show them kindness." Ask and you'll receive. Seek. And you'll find knock and the door will be open. And if there are situations that you don't understand, Lord, why is why you're not answering my prayer? Why are you not doing this? Then we trust our lives into the eternal hands of God. We give our life into the sovereign hands of God. And, and if there is a, a, a temporal request here for this life that's not answered and we wonder and, and scratch our head and say, Lord, why did you take so-and-so for my life? Or why do I have to go through this financial hardship? Or why do I have to go through this, this temporal situation? The word of God says, let's fix our eyes on things that are not seen because those are eternal. Not on things that are seen because those are just temporal. Because there's something much greater that God is trying to do in us. And that's to form his kingdom in our lives, in the highs and in the lows, in the trials and in the difficulties. He's trying to form his kingdom in our life. Let's sing to the Lord.